This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined by the whole crew, David, Brady, and Jordan. Today we're going to be breaking down Georgia State's tough loss at Kalamazoo to Western Michigan. 57 to 10. It's kind of a tough hill to swallow. How do we feel about this week, gentlemen? Bad. What did you want Let's me to exercise say? these demons right now. That was a really bad loss. It, it sucks to go in with a lot of momentum and get punched in the mouth like that, but we're not going to sit and wallow too much. We're going to kind of at least try and pull some takeaways from this game. Um, first of which, talk about the Georgia State defense. It was bad. It it was really bad. It was hard to watch. It was just really bad. Um, I wish I could sit here as the only person of us that went. I wish I could sit here and pretend that Western Michigan did anything super crazy on offense. Uh, I wish I could sit here and pretend like their quarterback turned into to a tag of Iloa and was just throwing all over the field. No, Western Michigan ran a really basic offense that their game plan was essentially, Hey, Georgia state's not covering the middle of the field. Let's just put our guys right there. And it was incredibly frustrating because they weren't able to make that adjustment. Um, and I mean, hats off to Western Michigan. They executed everything that they needed to very well. Um, I remember personally last week saying that I did not expect Bellamy to have a great rushing day. And I guess he heard me um, because oh, oh, he's a he's a frequent listener of the podcast. <laughs> he heard you. And that's locker room material for them. Yeah. That's front of the show, Levante Bellamy, to you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> he, you know, he must have because he came into the game with, I believe, 97 yards on the season, and he had 192 by himself. Um, so, yeah, the defense was not great, and that's really all you can say about that. I just want to say for the record, I did say that I think my quote was he ran for 1,200 yards last year, so he didn't forget how to run. So I was a little bit ahead of that if I'm going to hedge my bets, which I am. <laughs> um, yeah, David pretty much succinctly broke down the defensive problems. And going forward, people are going to want to see something different. I mean, the defense is going to have to figure stuff out fast because – a lot of teams in the Sun Belt run the ball and run the ball a lot and run the ball well. So if if run defense is going to be an issue to the tune of 400 plus rushing yards and a lot of big runs, then that's going to be a big issue. It's not going to help the offense at all. And it's going to put the team in a lot of negative positions in a conference that this isn't going away. Uh, it's it's hard to single out anything else given that that is the glaring reason why the loss happened but it also just didn't feel like the offense was 100 percent in sync either yeah i i, I want to go back to the defense just for a moment before we kind of talk about the offense because i wanted to say one thing i i did expect uh western michigan to run the ball um I didn't expect them to run this well, but I think when you have a team that clearly likes to throw the ball and they, I mean, they rushed for twice as many times as they attempted passes that entire game, you know, it, Western Michigan loves throwing the ball. They're definitely one of those teams that, you know, 
are going to sit there and try to pick your secondary apart. And so the fact that Georgia State got totally eviscerated on the ground, you know, that's that's honestly a little scary because if you see how other Sunbelt teams like to play and other teams that Georgia State is going to play, I think they just have Army left and out of conference. You know, Army likes to run the ball. The Sunbelt, now that Georgia State's about to get into Sunbelt play, they like to run the ball, obviously. They see that. Everybody has this game tape, you know. So not necessarily a good look when you're facing a team that you would expect to pass and they just run rough shot right through you. So It kind of seems like we talked about this in our breakdown of the Furman game is that we were really expecting them to come out and run the ball and they completely flipped the script on us and it seemed the defense was never really able to adjust. Here, we were expecting Western Michigan to kind of throw the ball a lot all over us and then the second play from scrimmage was like a 60-yard touchdown. So, I mean, it just seems like, I don't want to say like not being prepared, but maybe on field making the wrong reads or just making those snap decisions that go the wrong way. It seems to be really hurting the Panthers defense, whatever it is, it's something that the coaches have got to diagnose and fix whatever, whatever they see as the problem. Uh, I, on the media teleconference this week, coach Elliott mentioned inside linebackers and reading their keys, right? So I don't think he was just throwing them under the bus, but I think as far as on field stuff, when he was seeing what he was seeing on film, that was just what he jumped to is a correctable thing this week. I think we'll have to see it right off the bat. I think Coach Elliott's probably going to challenge them to prove a point early on, especially because if there's one thing that Texas State has done, not to get too far ahead, they have started off games well. Uh, they started off well against Wyoming in their home opener. Uh, and in the same way, Western Michigan started well, and I think that they were pretty PO'd about how they played the previous week against Michigan State. Uh I think they wanted to prove a point that they were better than what they had shown. And so without, again, getting too far ahead, I think that's going to be something to look for is if Georgia State has the same response of saying this isn't who we are. So kind of to go to the offense, um, I think I want to kind of go a little bit more positive um, because Georgia State, actually, their offense did play how they were. I mean, Trey Barnett had another phenomenal game. You know, he had 127 yards on 20 carries. Like, that's, I mean, I don't know what else you really want out of a running back, especially a running back rushing against the team who, you know, has two, three scores on him. So you would think that the Panthers would adjust to a more passing-based offense. But, I mean, the offense for Georgia State, outside of running the ball, it just never really felt like it was there in a way that would affect the game. I don't know. I don't I don't want to sit here and say that it was just pitch and catch, pitch and catch, pitch and catch, but it was a lot of it seemed like Dan was a little tentative throwing downfield or the ball wasn't that accurate. Um or if it was accurate, it would be negated by a penalty. Um and I, I don't want to sit here and talk all bad about him. No, he's I think the situation caught up with the offense a little bit. Um I'm not sure that I think this game kind of proves that there will be certain games where Dan won't be that quarterback who's just going to sling it down the field to try to pull himself out of a huge, huge hole, um, which is fine. But I don't know. I just think every phase of the game didn't really look good for Georgia State this weekend. Yeah. So all there are a couple of specifics that when I was rewatching, they stuck out to me as like, sometimes it's just not your day. Uh, yeah. The first one would be Dan popped a 64 yard run. Uh, it was a nice, he popped to the outside. He got down the sideline. They barely caught up to him. Uh, and then there was a sideline penalty for someone. The official ran into someone on the sideline. And so it moved 15 yards back. So 64 yards on the run, but it moved back. So where it would have been, I think, first and 10 on the 11, it moved back to the 26. 
no touchdown on that drive. Correct. There's another play later in the game. Pass play. Dan has, I think, Jonathan Fetty running pretty much free to the end zone. The pass blocking doesn't hold up and he gets sacked before he could make what would be probably one of the easiest touchdowns of the year for him. Uh, and it was just one of those nights where one part of the game's working and then either the penalties or the, the protection breaks down at an inopportune time. And it didn't feel like the same offense as the first two games, obviously based on the number of points that were put up, but we'll see if it was just a blip. We'll just see if it was one of those Murphy's law games where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But those were just some specific things that I noticed that it was like on another day, some of those plays might happen different. I think we can sit here and start breaking down every little thing that which way could have gone wrong. But I think it was kind of like Brady was alluding to kind of a perfect storm of just like, wow, everything that could be breaking bad against us is. And I mean, there there's obviously the coaching staff is going to have their hands full trying to, you know, pick apart the, 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 the things that went wrong in this game. And that's why they get paid the big bucks. And we just sit here and talk about it. But from our perspective, I don't know how much, of our time is going to be used wisely of just sitting here and, and you know, ruminating over how poorly we played. Um, and I think it's kind of just a chance for us to look ahead to game one of conference play at Texas state. Hey, let's beat Texas state this year. That's Please. Well, let's talk I, about kind of, let's talk <laughs> about the kind of the situation the Panthers are in. You're two and one. If you had told us at the beginning of August that the Georgia state Panthers would be two and one entering conference play. And one of those two wins came against Tennessee. I don't know if necessarily we would, I don't want to say not, we wouldn't believe you, but it would be quite a shock. So now well, sitting you know here, Dan two said. And one entering conference play. I exactly. He put us on notice, <laughs> um, be shocked. but entering two and entering conference play at two and one playing against Texas state. There are tougher games on Georgia state schedule left. I think this is a good starting point for us, especially considering our performance last week to kind of get back on track, do the things that we do well, improve the things that we don't. And, you know, hopefully come, come out of this game three and one through the first four games. That'll, I mean, you're halfway to bowl eligibility and it's still September. I mean, that's, that's a good spot to be sitting in. Yeah. I'll go further, not to take it back to the doom and gloom, but, Depending on how this game goes, if it's a negative result for Georgia State, and especially if they look bad again for two weeks in a row, any murmurs coming from the Western Michigan game are going to start turning into more like shouts or, you know, exclamations from like, what's going on? Why is the team that beat Tennessee not showing up week to week? And you can't really sit there and blame them if it doesn't happen. Texas State's winless right now. They played three good teams in their first three games, so it's, it's not a totally fair thing just to say, Oh, go beat the winless team. But just on what Georgia state can control playing well and shedding what happened last week is going to be an important thing for the rest of the year for them. And I think this game is really important. Obviously your next game is the most important. Any coach or any player is going to tell you that, but Georgia state is at a kind of a tipping point of like you alluded to earlier of, you know, if they come out and they lay another egg and suddenly now, man, what happened to Georgia state against Western Michigan turns into what's going on with Georgia state. Like it's not just a one-off thing. If they come out and have another poor performance, then it might be really time to start talking about like, all right, what is going on? Not just, this is a 
one week thing we came out we had a terrible game and we shook the rust off in the next one and got back on track so i mean if they come out and they look great and the things that we do well are clicking and we do enough on the defensive end of the things that we don't do well to let our offense or you know whatever the phase of the game that's going to be the defining point for georgia state take over this is the time in which you the Royal U being the team decide what kind of football team we are. Are we going to be the team that's going to get punched in the mouth, lose by 47 points and let that define our season? Or are we going to take that learning experience, bounce back, go on the road, enter Sunbelt conference play and just take care of business. I mean, this, this loss to Western Michigan absolutely has the opportunity to define the 2019 Georgia state football team, but it also could be the one erratic blip on an otherwise great season it just depends on kind of the mentality of how the team handles this kind of loss which can be derail season derailing for a lot of good football teams yeah the coaching staff's gonna earn their bacon or not this week based on how they can balance whatever ferocity the team has to get out there by keeping them controlled because a big problem last week was the penalties and just not playing within themselves and forcing passes and getting turnovers so there's a balance to be struck with aggression and passiveness, I guess, for lack of a better word. But uh, I think that Panther fans and the coaching staff are going to want to see a little bit more on the aggression side to start this game in the vein of wanting to see that hunger to do better than what they showed last week. The same way that Western Michigan came out against Georgia State and looked better than they did against Michigan State. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough. I think obviously going on the road to start Sunbelt play is never fun. But you're right. Georgia State really is going to have to come out there and start that first quarter off really strong and just kind of use use last week as that learning curve and that learning tool to figure out what it is that they need to on defense. Um, Cause again, it wasn't, it wasn't like Western Michigan did a lot of fancy stuff. You know, they weren't being beat by crazy trick plays or just, you know, really creative offensively drawn up plays. No, it was a lot of halfback dives and really good blocking up front. So uh, speaking of Texas state specifically getting into the, the breakdown of the game, uh, they've got a first year head coach, Jake Spavitol. Uh He's got, background as an offensive guy he was at West Virginia he was at Cal he was at Texas A&M he's going to lean pass I think and so that's why you see three weeks into the year they're throwing for 276 yards a game passing uh it reminds me a little bit of the like the 2014-2013 Georgia State era teams with Coach Miles's teams where there was a lot of passing and there was a success passing it was a little bit turnover prone and the rushing game, not for lack of trying, wasn't doing it. Uh, I think that the 24.7 yards rushing they're currently averaging is a little bit of an unfair number because if you take out quarterback sacks, it's more like 62 a game. So there's a pretty big gulf just because of quarterback sack numbers getting factored in. But it's still not a good rushing team. That said, until Georgia State's rush defense shows that they're going to perform, uh, I don't think it's unfair for Georgia State fans to be a little hesitant around a team that looks like they don't run the ball well, because I think that the onus is going to be on Georgia State's defense to stop it, because I think, as David's pointed out, there's film out there. Texas State is going to want to run for 
triple digits in a game this year. So they're going to try and get the run going at some point. And if they see what Georgia state showed last week, then it's possible that there's going to be some kind of emphasis. And just for a point, I think Georgia state's also going to want to stop the run. I think if they've got anything that defensive staff is going to want to say, you know, that's not who we are. Don't let that happen. But that's a dangerous thing because as the original point is they passed the ball well, and they're going to want to pass the ball a lot. And so it's a tricky balance for the defensive staff to get them ready for not giving up 400 rushing yards just as a point, but then also being ready for a team that could probably put up 300 yards in the passing game. And the passing game didn't have a great game for Georgia state either on the defensive side against Western Michigan. So it's going to be interesting what comes of the offense for Texas state this game. I don't know exactly what they're going to emphasize, uh, but Nate Fuqua and company's got their work cut out to have a game plan and try and stop something well uh, this week. And then as far as the offense for Georgia State goes, it's seeming to me that the offense is probably more like the first two games than the last game. And though maybe a little bit in between, maybe not putting up 40 a game. Uh, but I think that if they get out of their way, this defense for Texas State is good. They've got some experience up the middle. Uh, they've got good linebackers. But I think that Georgia State has a talented offense, and if they can get it rolling again, if it is a case where the defense still isn't showing up as much as they need to, this seems like an opportunity to be able to have the shootout that they thought last week was going to be. Look for a clean game from Dan. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to keeping the ball for a team that through two through three games, Texas State has averaged 26 minutes a game in time of possession which isn't very good so if you can control the ball and just wear down that defense no matter how good the linebackers are if they're tired by the fourth quarter and you can get the running game going which hasn't been a problem in any of the three games there's going to be opportunity there for Georgia. yeah i think so too um i don't want to lament too much on the offense but you're probably right i think they just you know once you take the wind out of the sails there's only so much you can do and i'm sure because it, while Dan didn't look great early on against Tennessee, he did kind of get the ball moving down the field a little bit better than what he did through most of the game against Western Michigan. It probably was just, you know what, this is just the type of game that it's going to be. And I mean, that's okay. Like there are ways for Georgia State to improve on that. I mean, like we said, they still ran the ball well. You know, it's not like it's not like they didn't move the ball at all. They definitely will need to improve their passing game in order to not hang with Texas State, but you know to come out and not to come out and secure the win like we know that they can. They'll definitely need to improve on that passing. In other Panther athletic news, the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team released their full 2019-2020 season schedules. Our, what are our feelings? I want to go to Duke. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting tickets to that one. Don't need tickets when you're best friends with Coach K. Well, tell us all about your uh, your. Is that the situation you're in, then? David? You oh. and Coach K kick it on on the reg. Oh yeah, come on now. He's got those connections up in Chicago, of course. Um, David, pronounce his last name right now. Oh um, well, I call him Coach, so that's <laughs> yeah. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyways, getting back on track. I mean, it's it's what we've come to expect from this Georgia State team, um, basketball wise. They always play a pretty good out of conference schedule, featuring some 
nobody schools and then featuring some really good solid top tier schools um that are always consistently making tournament runs um you know last year it was k-state this year it's going to be duke and georgetown in this little tournament Sad that uga is too afraid to play us again but whatever Um, we already beat them exactly um but it's you know it's going to be a good out of conference schedule um it's a little weird that we're going to play a conference game two conference games actually and then play a couple other out of conference games but hey man i'm all here for the wacky sunbelt scheduling so i'm definitely going to miss the thursday night doubleheaders for which we kind of chose to name this website and podcasts which is awkward i like the schedule i don't love it uh, there's good opponents on here. Uh, like-minded SMU is a good non-conference road game. Charleston's a good non-conference road game, especially as our first, you know, quote, real team we're playing after we play point and exhibition and then Bruton Parker in the first regular season game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, coach Lanier has talked about how he wants to, you know, look the big guys in the eyes when they go and face them. And I don't know if that's there yet, although he did recruit some size, but it'll be interesting to see how the Duke and Georgetown games go the same weekend in November. Uh, Charlotte and Dartmouth, decent teams to get in and for home games. I mean, I think it is going to be hard to get good opponents to come into the sports arena for coach Lanier, as it was hard for coach Hunter to get good opponents into the sports arena. That's just kind of the reality of the business. And then return of a home game against Mercer. Uh, we go to the road this year after they came to Atlanta last year. So that'll be, I don't really know what to make of Mercer. Uh, They kind of lost the luster from when they made that run and beat Duke in the tournament, but I'm intrigued. It's not going to be a wow schedule for non-conference. If they can start well early, which was an issue for coach Hunter teams, and maybe that's gone by the wayside with a new coach. If they iron out the kinks early, it could be a Georgia state team rolling into conference play with a decent record. Brady, you, you mentioned you didn't love the schedule. What don't you like about it? I will say from the opening, you know, remarks from Coach Lanier, maybe it's something he's going to ease into. I thought he might go for a bit of a more difficult schedule. I thought he might test him in non-conference. The team had ramped up to where last year was a really decent non-conference schedule with with a good mix of what you want, test games and then some nice win games and then some how is this team going to perform against like likeability teams or, you know, teams that are similar it's not nearly leading into the difficult but that might just be he wants to see where his team's at and he he might not want to you know throw everyone into the fire immediately but that was it i mean i we'll see how this year goes in general and see if next year if it's a successful year if they're able to you know go for it a little bit more that was the only thing i mean that's just nitpicky because where the team's been at i mean making multiple ncaa tournaments I, you know, want to see the road schedules, the out of conference schedules resembling like what an AAC team plays in out of conference. You know, if that's what the program aspires to be. I will say um, I kind of echo those sentiments. Um, Last year they played 13 games and it was a pretty, pretty thick out of conference schedule. Whereas this year it's 11 games and, you know, outside of the blue bloods and Duke and Georgetown and that, you know, world power Prairie view, uh, it's just it's a it's an all right schedule. It's just not where you probably think that Georgia State would be playing, um, but we'll see. You know, hopefully they can 
turn a lot of these games into wins and, you know, still be at the top of the Sunbelt standings come conference play. And I'm sure there's a grand plan at play. I mean, I'm sure there was some intentionality with why the schedule is what it is. So I'm not making any prior judgments about it. I think no matter what, opponent only matters so much. It's about getting the team gelling early on. So whether this is the year to throw tests out there or not, not for me to say. It's kind of just going to be about getting the new guys in, playing together, getting the returning players under a new system playing together. So I this is the first, I mean, as you would expect with a new coach, this is the first year where I'm not really sure what I'm going to expect going into this basketball season. It's going to be a very interesting new perspective. I, like I feel it. like this season is going to be a lot of just wait and see because we don't have a whole lot to go off of yet, especially when it comes to some of these early season games where we don't know what the 2019-2020 Panthers are going to look like. These are going to be very formative of formative for Georgia State fans to kind of get a feel of what this new Rob Lanier era Georgia State basketball team is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, Speaking of what they're going to look like, I guess news dropped recently the preseason the gsu jam is going to be september 30th so it's not like you're going to see really what the team is like at that point but the first opportunity to see them in action is going to be that day and those are always fun events i mean you you obviously you get your first quote-unquote look at the team that it's not going to be anything you know transformative or necessarily revealing about what the season's panthers are going to look like but it'd be fun to get out there you know show some fan support there's gonna be like a dunk contest um so you know it's always a fun event so if you have the evening free we all definitely recommend you go check it out we'll be there so if you see us come say hi well that's gonna do it for this week's episode of thursday night podcast thank you for listening we'll be back next week to break down hopefully our win against texas state and we've got some bi-week content coming your way. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Thursday night. Like us on Facebook. Same deal. Other than that, thanks for listening. Have a great week. See you. Bye.